Welcome, Digital Difference Makers. Today with me, I have Linda Gross, a business coach and consultant. Welcome, Linda. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being here. No, thank you very much for coming on. And just do you want to introduce yourself for the people that don't know you just yet? Yeah, my name is Linda Gross. I'm a business consultant based out of Los Angeles, California. And I help CEOs and entrepreneurs either solve their business problems or scale their businesses to, you know, really have a lot of free time and have balance in their life and have more time with their families, while at the same time, you know, improving their business skills and, and uh, income. Awesome. What kind of business skills do you tend to work on with your clients? You know, they come from all walks of life. I, I tell you, I had a couple of days ago, I had a rapper. <laughs> and then I had uh, someone who is doing a nonprofit. He's supporting men's rights, which is um, an area that is near and dear to my heart. I've been a men's advocate for several years now, I guess since, let me see, 2015, I've been the men's advocate. So one of the areas that I specialize in is a lot of men have lost custody of their kids, wrongfully lost custody of their kids, and they spend years and years, maybe even a decade, trying to get the kids back and spending tens of thousands of dollars, if not more, to get the kids back for something that the other party, the opposing party, the spouse, was perhaps lying in court and saying that there was abuse or alcohol or, or drugs, and that's why um, you know, the male parent lost the kids. So um, I championed those efforts. So one of my new clients was was coming from that field. Um, it just depends. I mean, they come from a lot of different fields. I have one guy who's a writer, and I've been a writer myself. I have several books, and I was a top 10 blogger for many, many years. So um, yeah, so they come from all different walks of life. <laughs> and it, it, I love it because it actually keeps me on my toes when they're not just in one lane. And the program that I devise, it's very custom made. It's not cookie cutter. It's not one size fits all. I listen uh, to what the problems are. I diagnose specific to that particular customer. And then we set out a solution plan to put it all in place and make it happen. Awesome. What are some problems that you have worked on with clients? You know, I'd be curious around what kind of things you've you know, worked on with the rapper and, you know, particularly in that the music industry, I think it's a totally different type of business. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I kind of had the same kind of issue with the, with the person who was like a content creator. He was a writer. And I said, I think there's actually a formula to all this. Um, one wouldn't think that. One would think that, oh, it's just a creative endeavor. It's an artistic endeavor, but I don't think so. I, I don't think it's statistically possible to write hit song after hit song after hit song. I don't think so. It's, it's mathematical. So I think the record companies, when they get a new artist, when they get a new song, they refabricate it to where it fits the mold of what a hit song is. It's formulaic. 
So they're like, oh, the hook has to go here. The beat has to go there. In the middle of the song, you have to make a U-turn. And I told my writer um, client the same thing. It's like there is a formula to what makes a successful book or he also does stage presentations and you know he's got to write the copy for all that he's got to outline you know the outline so to speak and so it's you know when you realize as a creative person that it a, a good part of what they do with you you know how the record companies and the publishing companies spin you to make it even more successful it's formulaic so it relieves a lot of stress you know the the guy who's an author I said you know I you're telling me your issues and I'm sure you get totally stressed out because there you are staring at a blank screen and you don't know what to write it's called writer's block you don't know what to write and I said what if I could take that away from you and you would just have an endless stream of ideas that pop in your head that you could noodle and you know work out more again I think that there's a formula to it so it's a matter of taking what they're telling me he was telling me he's got problems with content creation and I'm like no no your problem is not content creation it's time management so he gets distracted he can't focus and the reason why he can't focus is because he doesn't have enough input he doesn't have enough stimulation to write about whatever topic he's writing about so that's what we need to change when you have an influx of resources from 10 different places you'll get a spark here and a spark there and a spark there and it's like you know you'll write that article very easily because you've got the right input to make the output if that makes sense so let's say you're a car mechanic well if you get you know under the hood if you don't have the right tools it's not going to work it's either going to take you too long or you're going to cut your fingers or <laughs> something bad is going to happen but when you have the proper tools in front of you if you have a whole garage full of 100 tools then every time a customer drives up hey not only have you diagnosed but you have the right tool to get the job done and that's what i feel like i'm going to do with with both the both the rapper and the uh the the person who's doing the copywriting the author so yeah sometimes they come to me and they know exactly what their problem is but sometimes they come to me and it's up to me to like peel away the onion layers because it might not be what they're saying it might be several layers deep from what they're saying but to me there's always a solution so it's all good and it just makes me it makes me happy when they're happy because we've solved the problem that they might have had for five years 10 years or even longer yeah I mean I, I agree I think that um I, I've definitely seen it on in the content space with writing and videos that it's a lot of people that think that yeah it's just jumping on camera or it's just writing a few things but there's definitely um, a formula to a lot of that stuff um, yeah which like you're saying at volume makes it a lot easier to be able to actually, you know, continue to put that sort of stuff out um, without running into as much, you know, as many blockages around creating stuff. I mean, uh, one of the things I found really interesting, um, you know, over the last couple of years of really creating lots of content every week has been, 
you know, the input of like inspiration in a way, like, you know, uh, are you spending enough time each week actually researching and learning, you know, from mm -hmm. other places? Are you, you know, getting away from the business even just to um, hang out and do things separate from the business, you know, not yeah. working all the time. Right, or... the balance like we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that. that's important in, in terms of being able to come back and like, because it's like you, you've got to let your, um, you know, your subconscious move and, and think about things behind the scenes. Like if it's always front of mind, you know, it, it, you can only really think very logically you know i think yeah. without unless you let you know things just go to the back of mind and sort of simmer and let something come up to the surface so i think all of that sort of stuff is really important in going into it so it's interesting hearing you talk about um you know the same sort of thing with rappers you know yeah. <laughs> and the music industry that you know because it would be very yeah. creative a lot of the time a lot of people would just think that it must be They've just, just got the, that it thing that no right. one else has, you yeah. know? Yeah. And maybe they do, but it's one in a hundred million, I think. <laughs> I don't think it naturally just drops from the sky. Like I say, there's a lot of people behind the scenes to mm. make that that simple song be a hit, you know? Yeah. So it's not it's not a a great curve, but still there's there's a curve to it, you know. There there's a formula to it, of course. So, you yeah. know, the it's the record company's job is to not be creative. It's their job to make money. So they're gonna do whatever they need to do to polish that up and make it sell, you know, make it so, visible, make it sell. And, you know, I guess it, we in our business can learn some of those strategies too. I know that um I'm sure both of us, we have a certain habit that we have to go by that, you know, it's just kind of a numbers thing. Sometimes you have to do certain things in order to get the prize at the end. So you got, you can't skip all the steps all the time. Maybe some of the time you can skip them, but you have to maintain that uh, air of consistency to really get ahead, I think, because, you know, the more volume you do, the more you know, it's glaring what our mistakes are. And, you know, I never look at it really as a mistake. I look at it as a learning curve, like, ooh, you know, I, I made a turn here. I made a right turn here and I should have made a left turn. And then I know for the next client to like not do that, <laughs> you know, so I'm I'm learning as well. So, of course, the cl client doesn't don't know that because I don't, you know, impair the client or his outcome. But, um, you know, there are always ways that I'm sharpening my tool. So with future clients, if I could do it shorter more concisely more impactfully than i use that on future clients so it's pretty exciting yeah absolutely. so so what is your take on the videos because I, I i think i have okay i have this one friend one colleague he literally does 10 videos a day i don't even know how he even has time to like coach his clients with 10 videos a day he has a team of like i don't know 12 people behind the scenes hair makeup lighting audio you know uh copywriter storyboarder like the whole thing right he has everything yeah. at his fingertips and i'm thinking to myself i go through his site and I look and see all these videos that you post. Were there any shares? 
I went through like three months of stuff, no shares. So I think you can, as a content provider, you can do the videos, you know, on overkill. That it's it's a way to make yourself appease yourself that you're busy, but is it, but is it really effective? You know, I think what they're thinking, these content creators that are producing 10 videos a day, I think they think, oh, just the phone's going to ring, the DM's going to ping or whatever. It's just going to happen by like this, this potential client is going to see this fabulous video and pick up the phone and call. I don't think it works that linearly. You know, I think you have to reach out, you have to be one on one. And for me, the cookie cutter approach just like never worked for me. You know, I try to get to the meat of how can I provide value to the recipient, to the client. So it doesn't matter if I'm producing one video a day or 10 videos a day. If I'm disregarding what the client's needs and wants are, it probably isn't going to go too far. Yeah, well, either, yeah. either that or it's going to be too pushy, too salesy, too whatever. And it's under pressure. He's not going to want to be there. He's going to quit. He's like not going to do the homework. You know, it's like it's all bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, I, I certainly think there's an element of like uh, quality content before quantity. Because um, yeah. I've definitely seen some people that go hard on creating lots and lots of videos without mm -hmm. the intention of, without thinking about, well, is this content that people really want to consume? Like, is this, you know, like you said, there's, some people putting out lots of content, but it's all like, you know, here's my challenge. Here's this thing. Here's like my thing. Bye, 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 bye. Because um, it isn't, like you said, it isn't really linear. You can certainly run campaigns and they can certainly lead to stuff. But I think the people that do the best through content creation are typically putting out a lot of quality content that isn't, intended to get that person to buy right away it's a very long horizon of like if i'm putting out quality stuff i'm consistently nurturing people but in the same way if you do nail that then then it becomes quantity at the same time because if you're putting out stuff that i mean at the end of the day it's all about building our audience and you know width and depth Right, so we need to make sure we can yeah. depth right of the quality content to get a good relationship. But at the same, once we get that, then it's just about doubling down on the amount that we're putting out without sacrificing that quality. So, uh, I, I typically think that it's kind of like you want to be getting from like, you know, one post a day um, on one platform. Then you want to be getting on multiple platforms, and then it's looking at how to get multiple posts on a few of those platforms. Now, 10 is a lot. 10 yeah. is heaps. Um, maybe that could be justified on a platform like TikTok where you can kind of put out that much content and it doesn't hurt the algorithm too much. It's not necessarily always being shown to your, like the same audience as opposed to like Instagram or Facebook that have that chronological news feed that like, some would literally see like 10 videos in a row mm -hmm. of you and they're probably, they may not, maybe they consume like the most recent and then the last one and then they're, they're the worst ones, you know, as opposed to showing them the best three. 
Um, so it all depends on the strategy, I suppose, in terms of like yeah. what platform you're putting it on and where you're posting that. Um, but I would definitely suggest quality before quantity. But then I also see a lot of people use that as an excuse for just posting less um, yeah. and not taking the content the content side seriously as well. So it's kind of yeah. like yes and no. <laughs> yeah. Which, There's a fine line between right? the two, right? Yeah. yeah. There's a fine line. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes too much content, you know, the quantity thing, it just makes people passive. It makes them lazy. It makes them be on this side of the TV set, so to speak, you know, this side of the, of the monitor, so to speak. It does, it's, so I try to, when I do content, I try to get them, I try to pull them <laughs> from that screen to take action to say, what did she say? Oh, I've never heard that before. What? I want to find out more about that, you know? So I try to draw them from that monitor to go, oh gosh, that's something different. Because if everybody's saying the same thing, 6x, 10x, 7x, whatever it is, if everyone's saying the same thing, you get numb to it, right? It's like you're just got the tube on and it's not making an impact so I find the best ways to make an impact is to storytell by somebody who has had a success story that you took them from A to Z or maybe somebody that had a failure story that they failed for years and years and years and they tried this they tried that blah 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 and so with my input what could I do about their situation to turn that around? So yeah, you have to address people's pain. You have to address people's uh, value. You know, it's like, what value am I bringing to the table? If there's no value there, they're just gonna flip through to the, the next YouTube channel. I mean, it, it's just, they're just being passive. So yeah, yeah well, well, I'm, I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that the amount of content that you put out uh, will determine whether or not they're passive or not. I, I do think, like you're saying, whether or not you lead them somewhere, try to lead them off the platform. Uh, to, like if you never put a call to action, you never ask for anything, then people won't do it. And then, they, yeah, they're just yeah. consuming and watching kind of thing. Um, yeah. yeah, but I, I do really agree with what you're saying around the value because I do think there's a lot of people in the last two or three years that have kind of, um, cause there's content that you can put out to reach a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, that's not necessarily the content that gets people to take action or buy. Uh, in fact, they typically, you know, work against each other a lot of the time. Cause I've found some of the content that's worked the best for us and what we try to do isn't stuff that's going to get tens of thousands of views. Mm -hmm. Um, and the people that I've seen, they get tens of thousands of views. They're not, their audience isn't made up of their ideal clients. They're just doing stuff that like hacks the algorithm, you know, I suppose, which at the end of the day, it's not that, that shouldn't be the aim. It, it can get, it can be really easy to get sucked into the vanity metrics and get confused about uh, what value is, you know? Right. So I think that's a, that's a complete, that's a really interesting discussion around what's, you know, what's value? You know? Yeah. I had another coach who told me um, he used 
Facebook and Facebook advertising very prolifically, and he would get super high engagement, like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of views and comments and, and likes and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, so you are, are you making any money off of this? Are you getting any clients off of this? And he goes, no. And I'm like, well, what did you do differently? And he said, I just started reaching out to people one-on-one, -on -one. just see one-on-one, -on -one, you know, what value can I give you? And, you know, he said, he says, not that I'm going to abandon the advertisement or the posts, mm. but he says he substantially reduced it because he saw that, you know, it's a vanity thing at that point. So, but if it's not helping your pocketbook, the coach, and if it's not helping the client solve their problem, it just becomes a vanity, you know, a vanity proposition. So he definitely changed his ways after that. So he still posts, but, you know, probably like half as much as he used to. And now he tries to, like all those people that made comments, he tries to interact with them to say, okay, so what part of the video did you like? And is there anything I can expand on? And, and, you know what, that one-on-one -on -one approach always helps. It always helps. Whether you're walking into a coffee store and before the barista makes your coffee, if you smile and, and say, wow, you know, it's been raining cats and dogs all day or, or just something to just break the monotony of that poor person doing coffee for eight, eight hours. If you just have that personal touch, um, you just never know what becomes of it. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, wow, this person took time out of their day. Um, you know, I'm going to take time out of my day. Maybe they'll add a little treat with your coffee when you, when it gets served or, or something, you know, they, they always do remember that extra step. So I think we as coaches have to do that little bit of personalization um, to really help both of us. I mean, it makes me, me feel good and it, and it draws them into me to hopefully start that dialogue and, you know, possibly become a client. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think um, a lot of people go to automate a lot of yeah. things, automate lead generation, automate sales, automate lead nurturing, because um, they, they don't want to do it. And they're, they're too early on to be doing a lot of that sort of stuff because the people that, that do that stuff that try that sell like thousand tens of thousand dollar products through a landing page or through like staff and lots of, you know, automated sequences and stuff like that have mm -hmm. tested, you know, thousands and thousands of like, you know, pieces of copy and they've got the messaging right and they've done all the work to, be able to do that. And that's the only way that they can scale now at the size that they are. So like, mm. you know, at the earlier stages in business, it just doesn't make sense to like value your time over that until you've done that, that work, you know, like, like you're saying one-to-one -one and that personalization aspect will always convert better than, you know, automating everything and trying to, um, well, take take the human out of it, you know, and take that yeah. um, personalization <laughs> out of it because, you know, everyone's trying to scale too quickly before they've sort of got that good financial base. I think, like, you know, one thing that we've talked about a lot with our clients has always been, like, 
like six phases of business and like the first phase is like getting from like zero to ten thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. and it's purely like mindset and sales like there's definitely something around like the offer that you're putting out um but even someone with like a poor offer if they nail like the sales can can get there we always advise to be nailing the offer first but at the same time like getting to ten thousand dollars a month is all about the sales activities how many people are you talking to like you said one on one how many people are you reaching out to and trying just have a conversation with to see if you can help i think a lot of people want to skip over that phase and jump to running ads jump to hiring other people to do it for them and i think um there's a lot more people that would be better off if they kind of put in the um you know the early work and just yeah. you know, got comfortable building up that you know skill it's kind of interesting now because like uh i know but you've probably seen it as well like people um people in hospitality are like the first people to get hired now in a lot of like sales roles and like um customer service customer support roles because they've just had to they've built up that skill of mm-hmm. working with people and managing personalities um so I, I i do find that interesting i mean yeah have you found that well what's your philosophy on the um yeah people getting their business up and running in that phase would you would you agree with that or would you have anything else to add I think it's in the next five years, it's going to be super important that we really flex our human muscle, because if we don't, AI is taken over. So we have to, you know, a lot of things, you know, because of the computer age, information age, a lot of things can be broken down to mechanical functions, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, the AI computers, they're learning more and more about human elements. So if we let that part of our personality go out the window, <laughs> we're going to be extinct or taken over by these robots. So uh, I think the thing that will set us apart in five years is those people who do know how to create the magic, like you walk into a room, you create the excitement, you, and it could be like something like super simple, like a handshake or a smile or a twinkle in your eye or whatever that is. We've got to always pinch ourselves and remind ourselves to keep that element because, you know, our species could be wiped out very soon, you know, because they could be taking over. So we better, well, we better, we better we're be a little two steps ahead of them. <laughs> hopefully we're a little while away from that. Um, but I do, I do agree with, I mean, one conversation my business partner and I had during the week is we're planning out, you know, the whole of 2023. Um, you know, we said we no longer want to, anything that we create that we are going to ask people to pay for, should not be able to be done by AI now or within the next six to 12 months. If, if we believe that it can, then we should be giving it away for free. That That's sort of, that's been our mantra. And then that way as well, like we're constantly thinking about like everything that we do try to create, we're trying to create for long-term. I, I do think that, like AI coming in has almost will almost kill B 
businesses that were just hoarding information that were kind of like holding on to like the basics of mm-hmm. things and just teaching people that sort of stuff without any sort of like customization or coaching. I think like the people that are the coaches, for example, that are worried about this are probably people that weren't that had a program that was cookie cutter and they were more teaching than coaching. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I do, I completely agree. I think the next, the next five, 10 years is going to be very interesting. Um, about how we, you know, change how we operate, you know, how we try and I, I, I think like skills like like personal skills, like being able to communicate, being able to present, being on video, like all of those things become, you know, exponentially you know, more important. Yeah, you know, and I think yeah. I think it will almost drive, you know, there's always like that uh yeah, was it equal and opposite reactions? Um, I think yeah. I'm saying that wrong, but that whole like there'll be a lot of people that like steer into AI and it'll be fantastic. There'll also be a big group of people that are completely put off by it and like yeah. want to, you know, as we've seen from COVID right afterwards, so many people want to catch up with people in person now. You know, yeah, I think that will almost happen too where there'll be so many people that try to like, get you know a fake person to be the face of their business they've got like a ai voice ai face the content will be created by um ai that it will be something that people will be able to like intuitively pick up on that it's not a person Mm -hmm. and they want to be able to trust that they are speaking to a real person i that's that's how i look at it i think that there will be a lot of people that yeah start to uh pull away from that stuff and want to know that the the person they're talking to is a real person that as soon as they realize it's ai it'll put them off yeah yeah no i i think i think you're very right on that i mean even when people get a dm or a text they're Right now, their antennas go up and they're suspicious. Yeah. And is this a spammer? And can I yeah, trust a, whoever's on yeah. the other end? And, yeah, is this a VA know, going through someone else's account? 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so that radar is definitely up. So people that can crack through that barrier to maintain that human touch, that human connection, I think, I think, you know, they'll, they'll have longevity. I I can't tell you how many coaches I've talked to and their programs are all cookie cutter. They're Mm -hmm. offering the same exact program to all their clients. And I'm like, wow, well, I should, I should make a footnote on that. I don't generally work with a newbie unless there's some compelling reason. Um, But I guess if the person is brand new, they got to start from somewhere. So maybe the person who is brand new, the cookie cutter approach would work because they have so much to learn. But they say that most people who have that 90% of businesses fail within the first two years. So I like to take customers who've been in business for two years because they know exactly what their headaches are. They know exactly what they're not good at. So somebody who's brand new, they don't even know what questions to ask because they haven't gone down that road. So anyway. I I, I agree and disagree because I think there's, I've spoken to loads of people that have been around for 
two years, three years, uh-huh. and they ask the same questions as startups <laughs> ask. Just, be, just because I think there's – it depends where you get help from, right? Like if they're continuing to go through course after course and all the courses are pretty much just, you know, generic business survival, like there's some people are just completely confused because they've just got all the different – advice that's come from so many different places they it, it hasn't been two years of um I, I think it depends on how far along they are in business yeah. not just time wise but business growth wise success like, wise yeah 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 because right. I've yeah there's definitely a few people that have been I know have been around for two three years that um I know better off kind of thing just wow from yeah getting I wrong see advice. that in different areas and stuff like that um yeah yeah. but i'd be curious to know what's your what's your mission in your business what is the you know thing that you're hoping to be able to impact in the next 5 10 15 years yeah well i started life coaching in 2007 i was primarily at that time coaching for dating and relationships uh, primarily to a male audience Um, and i was writing a daily blog and this platform that i was on got 2500 uh blogs, daily blogs, um, and I was always in the top 10. So after a few months, my my uh, customers, my fans would say, oh my goodness, we have never heard this advice before. We have never heard this approach before. You got to write a book. You got to write a book. So I ended up writing a book. I combined 10 years of academic research with interviewing over 20,000 men of whom I did help solve their problems um, to write this book. So I think, um, you know, on the heels of all that, I want to make a difference in the world. Um, There's so much strife and drama and, you know, I don't know how it is in your part of the world, but, you know, our country is so divided on race and color and creed and religion and just everything under the sun that, I would, and and all of those things are a lie, by the way, in my opinion, that it would be so unifying to bring all of that together and throw those dividing notions out the window and have people actually come together and help each other. So in times of national crisis, like the falling of 911, you know, the people in New York City actually were like going out of their way to help their neighbor. This person lives next door. They don't even know their name, right? You know, they've lived in the same apartment building for 20 years. They don't even know their name. They see each other on the elevator or at the mailbox and, you know, they don't even say hello, right? So after a catastrophe like that, it brought the city together. And so my view is why wait for a catastrophe? Yes, we have that human quality when there's a catastrophe, but wouldn't it just be special if we were allowed to spend five seconds a day you know, making that connection, making, you know, stop and smell the roses as as they say, and, you know, help somebody out hold the door open you know in the lobby for the next person that's coming in or do something nice or let them take cuts in line or buy them a buy the person behind you a coffee or whatever it is just you know spread the joy we have we have so much strife that i think (laughs) the world needs a little happiness and joy right now 
to overcome some of these horrible things that are going on in the world. Well, so that's, that's a message you'd like to keep spreading with your business. Yeah, I mean, I want to leave my mark. I want to, you know, have people say, hey, she was a really good person. She was a decent person. She cared about her fellow human being. Yeah, awesome. well, I think that's a great testimonial if, um, you know, in business, if we can have more people talking about us like that, that's a great testimonial. And <laughs> I suppose after this, Linda, uh, if people want to get in contact with you, where can they do that? Excuse me. You're good. <laughs> they can go to uh, info at themensadvocate.com. Info at themensadvocate.com. Oh, by the way, what, Mark, would you like to leave on the world? Uh, my, mine's very small. I've, I've, our, the dent that we're trying to make uh, with our business is really trying to uh, reduce that um, small business failure rate um that you talked about so um, we can do that by helping the people that we help but a lot of what we want to do is trying to shift the way that um a lot of the b2b coaches and business coaches help people um over the next 5 10 20 30 years um you know because i just yeah. think that 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 failure rate is just insane right too, it's too big it's it's too big and there's an element of like free content that needs to go out there there all there's also an element of you know the paid help and customization that needs to be there um needs more support as well so if we can make a dent in that and i think that's a huge Im impact on you know not just the businesses that don't fail but also the people that they get to help um, and the economy as a whole. So um, that's what we're trying to do. That's an awesome, awesome quest. I love that because, I mean, if the failure rate is 90, 95%, even if we shave off 10% of that number, it would make, make a gigantic, you know, difference. And, you know, our economy is based on, um, you know, that small business owner. And it seems like, you know, through COVID, they've tried to <laughs> eliminate that that middle uh, person. But, you know, mm. I, I think they should be going great guns because they are the leaders of innovation. They have to do things differently. They can't be corporate and having done it the same way for 100 years. They've got to think out of the box in order to remain viable. So, yeah, if there are standard um, procedures that we can teach these people, um, you know, so they have a better basis point. I mean, yeah, some of them go to, you know, and get their MBA and what have you, but still it's not enough practical knowledge. It's not, no. you know, like on the street knowledge. It might be book knowledge, but it's not practical enough for them to put it into place. I know when I was going to school, I would ask some of my professors, you know, can you teach the practical aspect of this subject, whether it be statistics or economics or history or what? And they would all say, no, you know, we're teaching stuff from like 400 years ago. And I'm like, how's that going to benefit me when I go in the real world? I mean, it's like, it doesn't, you know, yeah, yes. I have a piece of paper on the wall, but that didn't help me succeed in business. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, if I, we can teach the young people, like, here are the basics that you need to know how to do the basics. So when you become an entrepreneur, um, you know, 
here, there should actually be entrepreneur schools, like forget about colleges. I mean, college has its place for certain professions, but do you really need to have a major in women's studies? Like, what are you going to do with that? I mean, you know, but I would rather see more practicality to the education system or at yeah. least or at least an option to go down that that road somebody that wants to work in the trades they should have their own set of schools you know i want to be a mechanic or an air conditioning repair person or whatever and somebody in our profession they should have here's here's a two year you know college course on how to be an entrepreneur yeah, yeah. And it well, should I think... be taught. It should be taught by rotating successful entrepreneurs. You know. Yeah. Well, I I think we've kind of got that. I think it's just there's the stigma around that at the moment where people are still moving out of universities, the normal thing, the standard, and the the gurus are the people that are trying to scam people. So it's like I feel like we're in this phase of you know cleaning it out and try and like get it the better people are going to succeed and be able to like continue their programs for more people <laughs> um bless you yeah so i do i do think we're heading there um i'm, I'm looking forward to to seeing that I, I completely agree that i think that's that's needed that it needs to be taught by people that are successful at what they do that can show application rather than just um theory i mean yeah that was the reason i dropped out of university i was running e-commerce businesses and studying um commerce and the stuff that i was studying was just not practical information it was all stuff that was just it was just regurgitating information um and at the end of the day like you, you don't learn that way you're not like you can't make decisions under different variables with that kind of you know information it's like like you were saying, going into a restaurant, having that one-to-one, um, having an experience and developing a relationship with someone, that's not taught. That's like essential. That sort of relationship building is essential to business, but it's not taught in business school. So like, um, yeah, there's, there's obviously some elements that aren't being um, taught correctly, but we could probably go on about this um side of things forever so i want to wrap it up here um but thank you very much for coming on linda and sharing your story um you know and i believe you said that the best place to reach you would be info at mensadvocate.com yes the mensadvocate.com or you can also join my private uh, facebook group which is specifically on the business coaching and consulting and same address it would be facebook.com forward slash the men's advocate forward awesome. slash the men's advocate yes awesome, so awesome. We'll, we'll put the, we'll put the link for that both of those in the show notes so people can find that easily um and connect with you after this but again thank you very much for coming on thank you so much i really appreciate it